Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Anubis with you on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, The Hordes of Chaos, episode 189. Got a great slate of stuff for you today on the palette. Topic-wise, I'm going to do reviews of the movie The Prey, Legend of Carnoctus, as well as Bad Candy. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about an article about the psychological impact of consuming true crime. This is something that Neko and I, we love our true crime stuff and, you know, with the recent controversy around uh, TV shows like Dahmer, uh, there's an article out there whether or not this stuff is actually good for you or not. So, d- dive in a little bit with that. Music-wise, a lot of great new music coming your way. I've got some Rotborn, Cold World, 
Uh, let's see, we got Autopsy, as well as Snipers of Babel, Auto Foggy, and what else we got in here? We got some Convulsus, as well as Realms of Death, and then some classics in there sprinkled in. And uh, yeah, so a lot of great stuff coming your way today, music-wise. In fact, here's some brand new stuff from Graceless, Giants. And we'll be back.
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. some Rotborn closing out that block with Condemned. Now we're going to talk a little bit about The Prey, Legend of Carnoctus. It's a movie that came out earlier this year. Stars a pretty uh, pretty big uh, cast of characters that are very familiar to most of us that pay attention to fantasy action movies and whatnot. And Just some of the names in there. We have Mr. Danny Trejo. As well as Nick Chinlin, who both of those gentlemen also uh, co-starred together with uh, each other in Con Air, if you remember that from the 90s. Uh, Chinlin played the character of uh, Billy Bedlam, who got into it with Nicolas Cage's character. Uh, Trey Joe, everyone should know him by now easily. Uh, we also have Adrian Paul, who uh, was in the Highlander series, TV series, so he played one in the clouds. Then we have Kevin Graveau, I think I'm pronouncing that right, and uh, if you don't recognize his name, he's the big burly black dude from the Underworld series uh, who was uh, Michael Sheen's right-hand man, Lucian, Lucius, or Lucian, excuse me, uh, the werewolf clan, and uh, he's in this, and it's really still amazing, he still has his deep voice, like it's, it's crazy how deep his voice is even now, uh, but he's in this as well. And so, basically, we have these guys here who are basically mercenaries that are in Afghanistan, and you know we don't know why they're near, there initially, but then uh, we find out they're actually there to uh, perform a heist of some uh, Taliban gold. So they're trying to like rip off this this uh, caravan of uh, Taliban, and you know kill them and take the, these big trunks of gold that's in them because they're mercenaries, of course, and they're, kind of, they're not really there for any other purpose. But then on the other hand, we had this other, whole other group of soldiers, military soldiers, who were there, obviously, uh, representing uh, America and, and trying to keep, you know, uh, the terrorists at bay. So they're there for actual American reasons. Uh, but they end up hearing the gunshots from the heist being taken place, and so they kind of get involved, and then it's like almost a free-for-all where people are dying, and, uh, you know, other people are taking refuge. So basically, Trey Joe's and Chen Lin's character are basically, I should say, Chen Lin and Grevu, uh, they're taking refuge in a, a cave. So they have their gold, they've gotten the gold, uh, Adrian Paul and Trejo's character are actually going to go fetch the helicopter. So they disappear for the rest of the movie at this point. We only see them for a few minutes early in the film. Uh, so Chin Lin and Graven, I don't have their character names, so I apologize. But I'm just going to call them by their actor names here. But uh, they're in the cave, and then the, what's left of the other American uh, platoon ends up taking refuge in the same cave and then they bump into each other and there's like this tense moment where like you know they just they're holding guns to each other and there's not and then they got they have some of the other group has one of their soldiers who's ready to die but it's chinlin who has to go who's also from a medic in a way so he goes and helps him by 
uh, gave him a tracheal, uh, opening up his throat pad so he can breathe. Uh, but clearly the other platoon, the American platoon, is uh, inexperienced with gun gunfights, so they're very nervous, very skittish. And uh, aside from their their captain, who is a, still a young guy, but he's kind of like, you know, he pushes back against Chinlin, who wants to take control of the group because he knows there's another way out through the cave. Because as they come in, the bomb blast, like, closes the one entrance they all came into. So they know that, uh, well, at least Chinlin believes there's another path that goes out the back way. So after some back and forth about... Uh, you know, who's going to take control of the unit. Uh, Chenlin finally, because, you know, they're all putting guns to each other. No one wants to really relinquish control to Chenlin and uh, Gravo. So, eventually they do, though. Uh, Chenlin is more experienced, uh, and he kind of flexes that a little bit. And, you know, says, look, you're not going to make it out of here alive without me. I know how to get out of here. <clears throat> so, they begin their trek to go and through the cavern and you know the, the pathways there's like a bunch of tunnels down there so they're they're making their way through uh now in the midst of all this uh we see earlier in the film where in these same caves uh there's some taliban they're doing secret like experiments or something with drugs uh hallucinogens and other kind of stuff that's crazy down there as far as chemicals uh and they end up like these couple of guys that are down there, they end up, like, running into this creature, uh, which they call Carnoctus. And it looks, I, you know, I don't even really know how to describe this because it, it does a couple of things. One, uh, you know, it gets kind of uh, compared to, like, a Sasquatch in the movie, you know. Uh, but when I look at it, and look at like what it kind of does like how it kind of traps me now it's it's pretty cool looking really for a creature um uh i really again i can't really explain it because you kind of have to see it uh but you'll see it kind of like when i post it on my website next week uh or when you hear this actually uh when you see it on metaltabernate.com you'll see the uh the picture at the top it's like basically the poster ad and it will show you the face so the face of the creature is, uh, despite having all this hair and everything, the face is kind of like a, a translucent purple and the red glowing eyes. So it's like in the dark, it glows with this purple face, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and then, but it looks like it has like on its tail, and this is what's kind of interesting the tail. It looks like it has like some sort of lights on it as well, like so, so some glowy lights. So think of this, like when you think of deep sea fishing and the, the creatures that live down in the very dark, like they have their own little lights and they glow. This is what this kind of reminded me of with this creature, Kanaktas, because it, early in the film with the two Taliban guys that were doing the experiments, like it was using its tail to kind of like uh, lure one of the guys behind like a you know, a rock, a rock area down there, and it killed him, of course, and was consuming him, but, but it used its tail as kind of like to draw him in, like it made him curious or whatever, uh, so it was kind of weird, uh, but it's really, it's, it's between its face, its eyes, and its tail, those are the things that glow in the dark, uh, you don't see much else until it's on top of you, uh, 
the gore in this is very good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so the gore, you know, they don't hold back. It, it's got some nice moments where the creature's, like, basically uh, clawing and, and chewing away at uh, some of the victims that it takes. Um, it does have also, like, uh, a bit of a... The way it sees its prey is, like... Because it is kind of, like, dark down there when they don't have the lights on and stuff. So it sees, like, almost an x-ray vision, but it's kind of, like, again, some sort of fluorescent purple-looking uh, viewpoint. Uh, kind of reminiscent of The Predator, uh, if you've ever seen those movies. And uh, so, it, but it's a little bit more involved. Like, The Predator, you know, sees, like, shapes and stuff and a little bit of x-ray vision there. But this is, like, far more, but looks a little more cheesier on this end than it does in the Predator movies, but for good reason. They wanted to be kind of at least a little bit different, so it's still kind of cool with the color schemes and whatnot. Uh, <clears throat> so there's a lot of banter, of course, that goes back and forth between both groups, between Grubbo and uh, Chinlin and the main uh, platoon. And sooner or later, they start getting picked off one by one until they realize, you know, they got to try to find a way to kill this thing. Uh, now, before I get into all that, earlier in the film, when you're introduced to the platoon of uh, soldiers, there's some funny moments where they're sitting there and uh, getting ready to go into wherever they are because they're in some sort of camp at the at early on. And they're kind of like got some banter between them all talking about like uh, nerdism, basically. They're talking about Star Wars or, you know... Um, you know, like, one, one moment, uh, <laughs> one of the guys, uh, Sullivan, he's, he's, like, a really big, uh, sci-fi nerd, so he loves Star Wars. So he's talking about how, uh, Skywalker and the Saber is, like, unbeatable, and, but then another guy who's more into, like, G.I. Joe says, you know what, dude, Snake Eyes would wipe the floor with all of them, you know? So then there's, like, this big, <laughs> big amount of banter that they discuss with each other about how, uh, one would be defeat the other. Then Yoda comes up, and then the other guy's insulting Yoda by saying he's just a little amphibian. He can't do anything. And it just it's really kind of funny because they almost come to blows like over the the nerdism of it all. Uh, but anyway, as the film keeps going, uh, you know they obviously realize they have to try to kill this thing because it's just picking them off one by one. And really, again, like I said earlier, you know. Trejo and Paul, we don't see them. They were like basically just huge cameos in this film, which is too bad because I would have liked to see more of uh, Trejo's character in this because, look, he's a good action figure guy. Uh, he's done a lot of action films. He does a lot of these movies, so I don't know why he wasn't going to be a more of a, a part of it. Now, at the end, it does say something about to be continued, but whether or not that actually happens, I don't know. If they're going to do another one of this, you know, series or whatever. Um, but the main star here is Chinlin's character. And, uh, so, you know, it, it plays out kind of pretty, I don't want to give too much away because it's pretty, it's still pretty new, but, you know, it plays out pretty much how you would expect it to. Um, but it's all because these guys wanted this gold and there's like this mythology and superstition about this creature, which has been brought up by Trejo's character earlier in the film. And of course, uh, the Taliban who are aware of this creature's existence. Um, so it, it's pretty cool. The, the design of the creature is really nice. Uh, 
I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. This is a very B-rated movie. Um, that's the design of it. It's not. There's no huge huge budget thrown behind it, except for the fact that we've got like this uh, pretty incredible cast of characters in here. Um, I still would have liked to see more of Adrian Paul too. I think I think Trejo and Paul kind of gotten a waste here a little bit. Uh, but you know who knows what the whole design of the script was here. Uh, Chinlin's character was named Tagger, by the way. That's I keep forgetting it, but it was Tagger. Um, but probably you know that character Sullivan, who's like the nerdy guy. He uh, he's like the funniest of the bunch. Like he just freaks out. There's like you know occasionally they run into some like quote unquote giant spiders down there. Uh, not things that are like the size of cows or anything, but you know, just larger than you normal. And he's freaking the fuck out over that. Uh, I talked about that some of those experiments that the Taliban were working on. Well, he ends up opening one of these canisters, which throws out this gas. Uh, at first, you know, it just make, it smells really bad. No one's really paying much attention. But then eventually it starts making the people that inhaled it, like, hallucinate a little bit. So, uh, at one point, one of the soldiers from the platoon is looking at one of the girl, female platoon girls, or platoon soldiers. And what he sees is, uh, basically, she's got her gun and her weapons and stuff, but she's in, like, almost like a bikini-type outfit that's you know and camo and so he's talking to her like normally like he's like you know i really like your your uniform there i forget her name but she's like what do you mean and he starts explaining that she's, and she's got her hair down so she looks like a model who's just really posing with a gun but that's not really how she looks it's just how he's seeing her because of the hallucinogen that he's got in his body and of course the nerd guy uh he's seeing strippers and you know some all sorts of shit so they they it's just kind of funny after a while uh that part of it anyway but uh you know this this has a little bit of uh different things it has like predator as far as uh, you know it's like stuff that you'd recognize a little bit of predator the descent maybe the ruins or the cave uh it's got a little bit of everything in there uh it's again not the greatest film on the planet but uh, it, you know it's the cast is what makes it work and the and the dialogue between all of them which i can appreciate and uh really um when i looked up the rotten tomato scores i was a little bit surprised uh like i give this film a seven out of ten so it's decent I, I'd, I'd watch this just for fun on a saturday afternoon or whatever uh it's it's got that kind of fun about it Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critics actually gave it a 71. So much about, is this also like a 7 out of 10? But the audience, surprise, surprise, 88%. So they are more in the B range of scoring this. So, you know, give it up to the audience who are giving this uh, movie some love. And uh, check it out. Uh, right now you do have to rent it. It's on uh, Prime. So just be wary of that. And, uh... Yeah, so I enjoyed this film. It's called The Prey, Legend of Carnoctus. And as I said, uh, they may end up doing another one of this because it said to be continued, but I don't know if it's true or not. But uh, check it out. It's kind of fun. And we're going to get back into our music. So 
in the next couple blocks I do have blocks the first block will be a little bit of the black metalish stuff and then uh, the second block will be more in the power metal vein so here's some cold world brand new stuff from them uh, called soundtrack to isolation <laughs>
losers. No one else will hear the damn thousand of black metal. Well, the one of black metal, them thousand. An interpreter of the comings from Salky. You are in the company of DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Pattern Radio. The best place to be. Stay tuned with these legends.
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Getting ready to get into our rock block for this afternoon. Got some classic material from Arian, Seducer, Van Halen, Bonham. And then we're going to kick off this block with a couple of new tracks from uh, Cyclona as well as Terra Maze. This is called Gold. <laughs>
everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio.
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook, search Metal Tavern Radio, and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Caffrey. Now, let's talk a little bit about the psychological impact of consuming true crime. And there's a lot of uh, pros and cons here. Like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to put to thought everything that I have that I'm thinking about this. Because there is a bunch of pros and cons to consuming true crime shows and information. So, obviously, lately, the... uh, on Netflix, the series Dahmer, uh, starring uh, Peter Evans, is portraying uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and the and the story and the horrific stuff surrounding that person. Even though Dahmer was killed in prison, etc., he's gone. But the after effects uh, still affects a lot of families. And so, one of the big controversies with the show is that it's sort of reopening the wounds for people who were victims of. Jeffrey Dahmer uh, with re- uh, friends and relatives and loved ones and whatnot, but there is another side of this uh, that you know people don't want to talk about too much, and that is uh, I know that Neko had been listening to uh, a podcast called Serial, uh, as in like you know serial killer. So, but. Uh, Basically, and this was like a few years ago, so she was kind of following this uh, individual. Um, if I can find his name here real quick, because I often forget it. Uh, Adnan Syed. So this guy was put in prison for killing his ex-girlfriend, uh, Heyman Lee. Or at least uh, a teenager that he was killed. Uh, guilty apparently guilty of and put in prison for but the podcast itself had reopened the case and started talking about some of the evidence and lack thereof 
which in turn the podcast draws in many listeners who you know for whatever reason like i don't i don't behave in this way so that going on when we watch these shows with interest and listen to the podcast we don't start breaking down we don't have like boards in our room if you saw black phone uh there's a character in the movie that is got you know police arrive because they suspect that someone there at the house is the killer but it's not actually this guy but he's doing his own investigating so he's got the big board with where the kidnappings took place well people actually do that so people who are listening to these shows start becoming their own investigators they start trying to do the research and uh digging for information that will either help or hinder uh or even reopen cases so when i say there's pros to this uh it's it's cases like adnan's who who was eventually uh the judge vacated his his conviction uh because there was information there that had actually cleared him. So, uh, there's another incident, I'm not going to mention her name, but a girl who's a part of the movie Dojo of Fat Samurai Guys, uh, some years ago, her sister was murdered. And the uh, indication was it was her ex-boyfriend or boyfriend at the time, but there was no evidence leading to it. Now, uh... I'm not sure what the update is on that particular story, but I know that she eventually went out to a podcaster in Colorado to talk about the case. Uh, and so people will say, you know, why do we have any interest? Well, the interest is, is that people often forget about things. So in the case of this young girl who whose sister was murdered is, uh, you know, no one really thinks about it. Like, we all kind of just go about our lives and we forget quickly just every other day that there's someone that's missing or murdered or killed or harmed or raped or whatever. And we, we don't think much about it because it doesn't affect us personally. And so, when you have stuff like Serial or, in this case, you know, the Netflix series, sure, I understand that it's going to reopen some wounds for those closely involved with Jeffrey Dahmer and what happened there. But at the same time, it gives us a reflection for the rest of us of the horrors that mankind can be. And it also gives us a chance to basically learn from past mistakes, like learn to see signs, learn to see behaviors that, you know, would normally we wouldn't think twice about and so now with what jeffrey donner did you know like people used to say back then uh before donner was caught that they would often smell like a horrific horrific smell coming from his apartment like through the door like it was so bad but no one thought anything about it right and so once they found out that Domner was cutting up bodies and consuming them and that, you know, the bodies were killed inside the apartment, uh, it all of a sudden made sense. Now, I, I feel for the victims, obviously, because they don't want to see this. They don't want to have to relive this stuff. But really, it's again, this is about what your freedom of choice is to watch and don't watch or freedom to listen to and don't listen to. Now, there's another side of this where the people that 
are just your normal Joe Blows who get involved in these things, they are the ones that can be become sort of a problem. And again, it, it's there's pros and cons to it. The, the fact that they're uh, interested enough to try to help get stuff uh, reopened or get information, uh, investigate, etc. The fact that they're willing to do that is a good thing. The problem is they become so obsessed with these things that, one, they may start bothering victims to try to get more information as if they are actually investigators. And that's the problem. Like, that's one problem. Like, you can't harass people who are victims. Uh, I'm not saying every person who investigates, uh, you know, cases like such, you know, aren't purposely going out there trying to harm the victims of families and whatnot. But the reality is when you when these when these families are already gone through the ringer with investigators and police and and, and even reporters, like now all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork asking them more questions and they're like wondering why these these families are like, why are you even doing this now? Uh and of course it can be c combative, like some of these people who are doing these investigations, these Joe Blows, they will, if they feel like the person that's been arrested for the crime is innocent, like if they just, even if that person is guilty, if they got it in their head that they're not, they will oftentimes uh, bully and harass the families because they feel like that they are the ones that know exactly what happened. They are the ones that have the answers. They are the ones that believe that the person is really not guilty of the crime. It, 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 sure, it could be one way or the other, but however, we have to remember that these people that are taking the time out, these Joe Blows, they don't have a lot of the inside information. They pretend they do, but they don't. And so we have to be careful with stuff like that because that's what's sort of this uh, article is getting to is People get so obsessed and involved with these things that they lose touch of the people that are actually victims of these things. Uh, but the flip side of that is you have these, uh, you know, Adnan Syed cases where someone really was an innocent person put in prison. And so it's easy to forget about these people because, again, it's not something we're often thinking about until you bring it up. Until you actually make it a focus point, which is what this young lady uh, in the Dojo Army did. She went and talked to this podcaster. Uh, that she told her story. Uh, she told her, the person running the host, that, you know, what her theory was and what she believed to be the person responsible. Uh, and between her and people, the investigators, actual investigators, and, you know, all that they're going to try to bring this person to justice as long as they can get the uh, evidence to prove that point, right? So, but that's that's her like making sure that no one forgets about her sister. Like, it's easy to, to get caught up with Jeffrey Donner because he was sort of a celebrity in terms of serial killer, so we pay attention more to that than we would the, the average Joe. And so, while I understand what this article is really getting at, I think that it's really more of a minority few. This is one of the problems with articles when they become sensationalized. 
by doing like this this particular article because you want to make it look like the entire world is nuts for wanting to bring people to justice and really there is pros and cons like I said you have those minority people out there who cross the line and those are the ones that kind of need to be scaled back or pulled back from the from what they're doing because they are causing more problems than solving um, but at the same time uh, if you know police forces uh, detectives they all have like full plates already and so if people who have the time and the energy and you know the empathy and you know the cautiousness to go about helping solve cases for even those who are victims families like even if they're asking for help that's a good thing right so it's not as bad as this article wants to paint it because there's there is a lot of good uh spirited people out there who try and help solve some of these cases that we just go forever not knowing what happened and again the other side of that is if those that are you know believe in they're the only ones that have the answers the police don't know what they're doing so they go and they as they call them citizen sleuths that you know waste the police time with information that's not verified uh that could be a problem uh, now, it also, the article also talked about, a, you know, a couple of people, examples who were big fans of serial podcasts and, you know, got too engaged and they said once they stepped back, they, it felt better for them that they weren't, uh, like they weren't seeing the fact that they were hurting victims' families by what they were, whatever it is they were doing in terms of trying to solve these crimes and, and crimes. And so... Uh, you just have to be careful when you're helping people out do this kind of stuff. Um, like, I wouldn't even know the first thing about trying to help the young lady that's part of the Dojo Army. Like, I wouldn't know what the best thing for me to even do. Like, I don't know if there's anything I could do. Maybe something like this where I just talk about the, the pros of getting it out there is good enough you know in terms of like just drawing awareness to it um but really uh yeah it just the article really wants to make it sound a bit worse than it is and you know i don't really agree with it on that level uh but i can't acknowledge there is some issues that are going on with stuff like that that's not really a good thing overall for uh victims and their families like I, I like i won't say that the netflix series is bad because again uh you know families of the victims don't have to watch it like if you're if you're if you're a, a family member or friend of a victim of jeffrey Dahmer and you choose to sit down and watch this then that's kind of your own fault because you are yourself opening up that wound yes i know it's out there yes i know people are talking about it uh, there's a lot of people who didn't even know who Dahmer was that when they watched this series. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to wait for Nako to get home. But people who didn't know who he was and what he did were like aghast with the crimes and the horrors that he committed. And so that's just a wake-up call to some of those people. Like, sure, this, this series might be a little bit sensationalized in terms of 
I don't know what's been added or not. You know, you got actors, of course, not real people here. It's not like a real doc. It's just a, it's a reenactment, basically, of what happened with Dahmer. Uh, but people were kind of woken up to the kind of scary people that are out there. Dahmer is not the only one. There are people like this still. Uh, some that are caught, some that aren't. Uh, you know, Gacy, you know, he's another one. Uh, what was it, Ramirez, Night Stalker guy. I mean, we, we have a long history of having serial killers that were just way out there and did some very horrific things. And so it's it's important to kind of acknowledge that history. We, we often, I often talk about what's been going on with some of our landmarks and stuff you know with past like political presidents and you know uh, famous people throughout history with war and whatnot where we're tearing down landmarks because of what they represented uh to some degree with racism and whatnot but i'm like honestly dude like and do that you know it's important to acknowledge that part of history like you can't just really erase it because then nobody will know about it you know they want to try and change how history is taught to students. I mean, I obviously I think there needs to be a more expansion on that. You do have to acknowledge some of the other issues in history and not gloss over it. I get that. But you can't just go and start erasing the stuff that's uncomfortable. You have to you have to bring those up. And so, you know, as as much as I want you know, young kids and young generation to understand the history of of America and how it got here, you know, you, you can't just start whitewashing or, in this case, like brownwashing everything by uh, ignoring the stuff that that was good about white America. You know, it's like there are some good things about white America, and you have to kind of point those out. You can't just sit there and say white America bad. That's that's the wrong message, and it doesn't really bring any kind of unity to us as a nation. Uh, there are some ugly parts of white America, sure. Um, but, you know, and going back to this stuff here, uh, when you make documentaries or series based off uh, just past tragedies, uh, sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that whoever Netflix, it might be a Netflix original, I don't remember, but they're making money off of it, of course. But, you know, it's also telling a story that's probably important to tell. Uh, I would take something like the Netflix series, uh, series a little more seriously than I would say I noticed that on Tubi there's like a couple of uh, docs, one about Dahmer and one about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing. Those to me are a little bit more like cash grabs. Like it's just like, oh, even though they're free, I think you're just kind of like uh, piggybacking off of what's going on out there with some other stuff that's more legit in presentation with this stuff. Uh, again, I haven't seen Dahmer yet for uh, Netflix, but uh, when ne Neko gets back, we'll watch it and review it and talk a little bit more about that. And we'll get more, probably get into more about her side of her opinion of the serial podcast. I know she was really into it for a while, and it was a big deal. She wasn't, But she wasn't into it to the point where she was becoming her investigator. She was intrigued because... As she was listening to it, they were finding out stuff that was making this guy look innocent. And clearly it was enough to let him 
uh, the judge release him from the conviction. So there are some good things that come out of this kind of stuff. And I've said, I've heard other stories where people help victims, families, uh, bring closure to stuff and, and keep in stuff in the news and, you know, so that nobody forgets about it because it's easy to do that. Just we have, we get so busy with life and work that when it comes to some other people in life, you know, we oftentimes forget about what's happened to them and they have no closure and no, uh, recourse for the stuff that they dealt with. So, yeah, it, you can check it out. It's on Wired.com. It's called The Psychological Impact of Consuming True Crime. You can read that and just give your own take and check it out and see what you think about it. Meanwhile, let's get into some more music here. I got a couple of classic tracks from Chemical Breath and Messiah. But here's brand new Autopsy, Born in Blood.
Hey, DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y. Sci-Fi Century. Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla-related information. Peace. So, being that it's October, Shocktober, I love to talk Halloween, I love to talk horror movies. If you haven't seen me uh, recently on that Fat Summer Guys channel doing the Versus episodes, it's been a lot of fun. Also, it's been Werewolf Week. Uh, of course, by the time you all hear this, it's going to be the next week after, but hopefully you've been going and checking out uh, Fat Summer Guy, and uh, it's, you know he and I, we watched like three werewolf movies the other day that we hadn't seen before and gave our opinions on it. I believe it was um, Werewolf Castle, Howlers, and Dire Wolf. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to recommend any of those to anybody because they're bare, bare, uh, bare minimum type stuff there. And, you know, you know me. if I, I'm a big werewolf guy, so when it comes to werewolf movies, I'm very... Uh, elitist about it like I have just my certain amount of favorites and then there's some that I tolerate uh, a little more than others but uh, this past week uh, versus was Fright Night 2 versus uh, American Wolf in Paris uh, American Wolf in Paris 1 which was surprising I didn't expect it to even though a lot of the uh, the votes from like the the followers of Fat Samurai Guy, uh, he did some like polls and most of them wanted Friday Night 2, but uh, as far as our panel, we actually had like, I think there were seven of us all together, uh, and uh, yeah, it was close, it was 43 for Paris, but I think there's, I think we all gave really good reasons why we liked the films for what they were, uh, but I didn't expect Paris to win, uh, but it did, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but I went and, uh, you know, I, I, I like anthologies, and I know that uh, Crip from uh, Metal Mania, he's told me about this anthology called Southbound. I have yet to see that, so I need to kind of get on that. But uh, there's another one out there um, called Bad Candy that came out in 2020. And it stars uh, Zach Galligan, of course, if you know him from, like, Gremlins and stuff like that, or uh, Waxwork. I believe he was in that. Uh, and then also, uh, surprisingly, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, the vocalist. He plays Chili Billy. And Galligan plays his counterpart, uh, works in the radio station. And uh, they basically starts the movie, you know, they're in their studio. And they're, it's Halloween, of course, and they're telling stories. And they're taking calls from people and all that stuff. Uh, it kind of reminds me, at least in premise, a little bit, kind of like uh, if you ever saw, um, God, what is it called? Christmas something uh, with William Shatner, who also played like a, 
a radio DJ. That's actually a very good movie. Uh, I'll have to figure out the title and give it to y'all because it's, it's another anthology that's really good. Um, now this one, uh, you know, it, it, they start telling stories and it, and it centers around, if you ever saw, first let me say this, okay, so my favorite, like, horror anthology right now, outside of the creep show stuff from many years ago, uh, is 2015's Tales of Halloween. Like, I really love that movie. Uh, I still need to get it on DVD. I don't know why I haven't yet, but I fucking love that anthology. It's so fun. Uh, and, and the critics really liked it, but surprisingly, the audience is only like 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, I really, really love this uh, anthology. Uh, and also, you know, Trick or Treat from 2007, uh, that actually has higher scores, uh, both from the critics and audience. It's actually at 71% for the audience and 81 for critics. And it is good. Uh, I didn't find it near as good as Tales of Halloween, but, you know, people differ on their opinions on that, and that's fine. Uh, we talked about during Werewolf Week how the werewolf segment of Trick or Treat with Anna Paquin was like a really good moment, like one of the best werewolf moments you'll see, even though the entire movie is not about werewolves, but that particular segment was really great uh, with her. Uh, God, she's sexy as hell, too. Um, but this anthology with Bad Candy, again, it, it, it's sort of like Trick or Treat, you know. I forget the name of the... The little character in Trick or Treat, but we in this Bad Candy we have a, a clown who's named Bad Candy, and he's sort of the central figure between what's going on for each story. Uh, so as Billy and and the other character uh, played by Galligan start telling stories on Halloween, uh, Bad Candy becomes this this little figure that. Passes to each episode, uh, kind of like the small guy from Trick or Treat. And uh, so first we have like um, a young girl, Kyra, uh, who's dressed as a little witch. She's with their friends and they're in their little clubhouse out in their treehouse and whatnot. And we find out through her particular story that, you know, she's got an abusive redneck dad uh, played by Kevin Wayne. And he basically is mad at her for being out too late. And even though she wanted to go trick-or-treating, he says no. But locks her in the room. But she has this gift where when she starts drawing things, like with her pencil, uh, she can create demons and, and creatures. Like, it's pretty interesting. Uh, now, there's no explanation of why or how uh, this happens or why. Uh, but she can do it rather quickly. So she's in her room, she's kind of upset, and so she starts drawing. Like, first she draws, like, a little fairy, kind of like Tinkerbell type thing. Uh, and then she draws, like, this little monster. Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's definitely a little Muppet thing-looking thing going on. Uh, and both of them are trying to, like, break her out of the room. So the fairy's flying up near the deadlock or whatever and trying to pull it out, and then the little creature she created is digging at the door bottom so dad hears this noise going on he, and, and he comes in and he automatically knows that she can do this like for a guy who's always drinking and treating her like ass he knows that she can conjure demons like he he just knows this like it's crazy it's funny to me and uh so she so he basically stomps on the little monster and then crushes the 
Tinkerbell against a wall, killing it, killing both of them. And while this is happening, she's kind of freaking out. So she starts drawing real fast. Now, her mom has passed away. Uh, I think he makes like a quip while he's mad at her and smashing demons that, uh, you know, your mother would be disappointed in you or something. So she's like, starts drawing like a picture of her mom. And then the little picture with her uh, mom's picture there, the glass breaks. And all of a sudden the mom is conjured up as like a, a, a wraith or something. And she just starts, you know, killing the dad. And basically it's really bad CGI. But uh, all of the blood from him is like coming out of his eyes and mouth and going into hers. And I don't know, the girl ends up smiling and leaving the house and going on her way to get some candy or whatever. Or, no, she actually walks out to, like, a, it's kind of like a pumpkin patch. And there's, like, a bunch of candy and presents there for her. I guess the demons left her stuff for her to get. Because I guess probably it's past time for her to go trick-or-treating. So they all, the demons, is what it's alluding to, gave her all the gifts and candy she wanted. Uh, I'm not going to break into every segment in here. But uh, the, the, my favorite was, really, there's these... Uh, group of uh, ex-military men, uh, the the banter with them all, because one of their guys in the group it turns into a demon, I guess, every Halloween. Uh, somehow when they were over in Iraq or whatever it was they were fighting, um, he somehow became afflicted with something that turns him into almost, almost like the Jeepers Creepers guy, close to that in some ways. Uh, he can fly around. Uh, he clearly uh, feeds upon flesh. So they, this time, like the, the military guys, are b before they do this and, and feed it, these people to them, they're going around collecting people. So they go to the drug dealers. Uh, one of the guys poses as a, an Uber driver, basically, and one of these prostitutes leads them to the drug dealer. Uh, so then they all kick the shit out of these guys and tie them up and put, put pumpkin heads on them and then allows them to kind of wander through this, this field while the, their friend feeds upon them. So, uh, yeah, so, but the, the, the shit that they're saying to each other, like, like, you know, goofing off and it's, it's kind of funny. It's probably one of the better segments of this. Now, the problem with bad candy for me is... Uh, it's neither clever nor scary. Like, I'm just not terrified in any way with any of this. Uh, there's no real shock value, uh, which is surprising. The Probably outside of the military guys, there is one segment with a, a woman who is a... Uh, she's, she's basically a, a nurse. Uh, not really a nurse in real life, but dressed as a nurse. And she seems kind of lonely there's a she's tied in with another segment where she takes some drugs like hallucinogens and whatever but she turns out to be like um i don't know what you call them i forget uh but she helps in the morgue like she helps clean up bodies and, and you know take their blood out she you know mortician or whatever uh but she has a weird fascination with the dead like it, like she's kind of lonely so i guess she ends up talking to these dead people when like, both on and off screen or you know whenever she's not working like that's how lonely she is because she doesn't have a boyfriend or anything so she uh she pulls one of these things where she goes to the morgue late after the party uh halloween party and she's in there and there's a, a, a guy's body there and you know he's 
sharp looking dude, but he's passed. So she starts eyeing him up and peeks underneath the cloth saying how well hung he is or whatever. And so she starts tripping because she took the acid. Like that's, you know, she just whatever and decided to take it then and there. So she starts like getting aroused and, you know, jumps on top of the body and rubs on it and whatever. But then I guess her tripping out, like she sees him come awake and scares her enough to lock herself into the freezer where more dead bodies are in there and they start waking up and it's pretty much implied that it's all just in her head but chances are she got locked in there and probably died uh but that was a nice little segment too but the, the problem is is that there's just not enough going on in this particular anthology to really wow you or anything and uh there's some twist at the end with Galligan and Billy that happens that I'm just you just don't care about like it's just nonsensical in some ways I mean I guess they had to kind of tie it in some way but either way just this got like a six out of ten for me just because of those two segments really um those are really the best ones uh with the military military guys and the nurse uh just it doesn't have the same vibe or a strong feeling that Tales of Halloween or Trick or Treat have for me uh but i figured i'd check it out because i've seen some people mention it before so that's why i wanted to do that uh just to let you know uh bad candy and rotten tomatoes uh for those that care critics gave it a 50 50 percent well audience gave it 20 so it clearly is not doing as well as they probably hoped but you know hey more halloween stuff out there the better but didn't really live up to any kind of expectations I had. I thought maybe it might be better, but as I said, Tales from Halloween is really the benchmark in the last few years, along with Trick or Treat, so really haven't seen too much to outdo that. Although I did say that Crypto told me about um, Southbound, which I have yet to see, so I'll check that out. I don't think that's necessarily a Halloween type thing, but uh, supposedly it's a good horror anthology, so. All right. Well, we're going to get into some more music here before we close out this episode. I've got some classic stuff from Turbo, Sodom in there, new stuff from Convulsus, and uh, here's brand new stuff from Snipers of Babel. They just put out Gabriel, which is actually due out in November, I believe, so got the little promo, checked it out. There were some songs on there that they did on their earlier demo works, uh, so you'll you'll see some familiar songs in there, but... Uh, yeah, this is off. This is a brand new track, basically, on Gabriel. It's called "Properties of Terror," and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
here's Patrick from the Canadian Crash Metal band Reanimators, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. I have the
Convulsus, Servants of the Abyss. DJ Nubis here with you on Military Radio Podcast. Getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos. want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in today and checking us out. Thanks for all the support, obviously. And uh, upcoming things, I'm going to try to get out some trailer reactions soon on our YouTube channel. Um, planning on doing another live event uh just to chit chat about entertainment and stuff i'm just not sure when yet uh this week though coming up thursday i've got uh episode two of poetic carnage with Edgar Allan poet gonna have a couple other special guests we're gonna be talking nfl football sports uh so for those of you that enjoy talking about nfl and you know other sports and stuff like that we're gonna be doing another episode of that Usually runs like an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, we obviously break down between Poet and I, the Broncos and Steelers. Uh, he's a Steeler fan, I'm a Bronco fan, but the couple of guests I have are other Bronco fans. Uh, just having them join in and kind of discuss the issues that my team is having right now. But uh, yeah, so if you're into that kind of thing, tune in for that. Uh, Friday, uh, I'm getting together with Big Bad Wolf. We're going to talk more werewolves. So uh, for me, Werewolf Week is, is, is extending another week. And uh, Big Bad Wolf and I are going to discuss our favorite werewolf movies and just like the lore and mythology behind werewolves and whatnot. So uh, be ready for that on Friday. Um, hopefully in the future get some more interviews done on YouTube. Uh, we're starting to really pick up some... Uh, ground with the subscribers uh if you're on youtube please subscribe to us please check out our podcast and uh you know comment if you got any requests that you want us to play or bands for us to check out let me know for those of the promotional labels and like i said before a couple episodes ago for the remainder of the year i'm not adding you into the hordes of chaos per se i will be doing uh specific uh podcasts for those labels and promotions so I'll be kind of gathering together and taking tracks and just doing uh, one-off shows for those uh, to try to get some of that stuff out there to you all uh, again thanks for the support much appreciated Nick will be back towards the end of November early uh, December so be glad to have her back and join in in the discussions either way one last track for you it's Sodom this is Among the Weird Kong and I'll see you all later <laughs>